Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Guilt, Grace, Gratitude podcast. This is one of your co-hosts, Peter Bell, and we are on Lord's Day number 31 of our Catechism Saturday series. And we are going through question answers numbers 83 to 85. But real quick, if you guys have not yet listened to Monday's episode with Dr. Craig Troxel on Preaching to the Heart, we also have a giveaway courtesy of our friends at Crossway on that same book title. So we hope you guys enjoy that episode and also Thursday's book club episode with Dr. Andrew T. Walker on his most recent book with Baker and Brazos Press, Liberty for All, Religious Pluralism in Today's Age. I hope you guys enjoy those episodes and we will move on to Catechism Saturday, Lord's Day, number 31. Question and answer 83. What are the keys of the kingdom of heaven? The preaching of the holy gospel and church discipline. By these two, the kingdom of heaven is open to believers and closed to unbelievers. What's interesting about his exposition is he, Zechariah Sinus, actually pushes it back to the end of question answer 85. So let's go to question answer 84 as well. How is the kingdom of heaven opened and closed by the preaching of the gospel? According to the command of Christ, the kingdom of heaven is opened when it is proclaimed and publicly testified to each and every believer that God has really forgiven all their sins for the sake of Christ's merits, as often as they, by true faith, accept the promise of the gospel. The kingdom of heaven is closed when it is proclaimed and testified to all unbelievers and hypocrites that the wrath of God and eternal condemnation rest on them as long as they do not repent. According to this testimony of the gospel, God will judge both in this life and the life to come. And lastly, question answer 85. You'll see why he puts these three question answers together after this. How is the kingdom of heaven closed and opened by church discipline? According to the command of Christ, people who call themselves Christians but show themselves to be unchristian in doctrine or life are first repeatedly admonished in a brotherly manner. If they do not give up their errors or wickedness, they are reported to the church, that is, to the elders. If they do not heed also their admonitions, they are forbidden the use of the sacraments, and they are also excluded by the elders from the Christian congregation and by God himself from the kingdom of Christ. They are again received as members of Christ and of the church when they promise and show real amendment. And so again, with Ursinus's exposition, with these series of questions, we end part two of the Heidelberg Catechism. So as a recap, days one to four, Lord's days one to four, are under the heading of guilt or man's misery. Days five to 31, which we're ending on today, are under the heading of grace or man's deliverance. And days 32 to 52 are under the heading gratitude or thankfulness. And like I said, interestingly, Ursinus groups all three questions for Lord's Day number 31 under one exposition. So let's dig in. Ursinus describes the logical nature of the catechism in connecting the keys of the kingdom of heaven to the Lord's Supper. 
He then asks five questions to further illumine our understanding. And here's the first question. What is the power of the keys given to the church? And what are the parts thereof? It is the use of the church, according to the command of Christ, to make known the will of God by the preaching of the gospel and ecclesiastical discipline, and to declare and publicly testify the grace of God and the remission of sins to such as are truly penitent, that is, to those who live in true faith and repentance, and, on the contrary, to denounce upon the wicked the wrath of God and exclusion from the kingdom of Christ, and to exclude them from the church as long as they shall show themselves estranged from Christ in doctrine and life, and to receive them into the church again when they promise and show real amendment. This distinction, however, must be observed as it respects the order of those two parts. The keys by the preaching of the gospel first loose and then bind. But in Christian discipline, they first bind and then loose. His second question, is there any necessity for ecclesiastical discipline and excommunication? He says there can be no doubt but that all the prophets, as well as Christ and his apostles, have preached respecting the ministry of the word. The discipline of the church is necessary, therefore, on account of the general command of God with respect to guarding against the profanation of the sacraments, both in the Old and New Testaments. On account of the special command of Christ and his apostles in Matthew 18, 15 and 19. The power of the keys is necessary on accounts of the glory of God. It is necessary in order that the sacraments may not be profaned and that that may not be given to the wicked in the supper, which is denied them in the word. That the purity of doctrine and worship may be preserved. For the safety of the church, which God will punish if it knowingly and willingly profane the sacraments or permit them to be profaned. For the salvation of sinners, in order that they, being frequently admonished and put to shame, may be brought to repentance. That scandals may be prevented in the church, and that those who are weak may not be corrupted by the bad examples of others. That scandals may be prevented on the part of those who are out of the church, and that those who are not yet or are not as yet members of the church may come into connection with it until they repent of their sins, may not come into connection with it until they repent of their sins. That the name of God be not blasphemed and evil spoken of by others and his covenant dishonored. That punishment may be averted from the wicked, for the ungodly are permitted to come to the sacraments of the church that bring upon themselves the judgments of God. Those who deny the true faith and doctrine of Christ are to be ex excluded from the church and from the use of the sacraments. The declaration of Christ in Matthew 7, 6, Give not that which is holy unto dogs, neither cast you your pearls before swine, is also here in point. Avowed infidels, so those are outside of the faith or different faiths, blasphemers, and such as are notoriously wicked, are not to be baptized, 
for none but such as believe with all their heart ought to be baptized. Those who are not yet baptized are not to be admitted to the supper. The sight of grace ought not to be granted unto those to whom the promise of grace does not belong. Otherwise, the church would act wickedly in admitting those whom God excludes and would contradict itself. Lastly, the institution of the sacraments or the condition to be observed on our part in coming to the sacraments demands repentance and faith. His third question about this, by whom, against whom, and in what order is the power of the keys to be exercised? Intersinus explains, the declaration of the word of God is committed to those to whom the power of the keys is committed. The denunciation of the wrath of God and the declaration of his grace, which is accomplished by the preaching of the gospel, is committed to the ministers of Christ. The preaching of the gospel is committed to them alone. But the denunciation of the wrath of God, included in Christian discipline, belongs to the whole church. For the whole church exercises discipline and spiritual jurisdiction. But who are to be excluded from the Christian church and from the use of the sacraments? An answer to this question may be anticipated from what we have already said upon the subject, which is that those who either obstinately deny some article of the faith or show themselves unwilling to repent and to submit themselves to the will of God according to his commandments, and who do not hesitate to declare their intention to persist in a course of open wickedness. All such are not to be admitted to the church. And if they have been admitted into the church by baptism, they must nevertheless not be permitted to approach the Lord's Supper until they renounce their errors and show amendment of life. This, therefore, is the course which should always be pursued for the purpose of correcting and reclaiming those who err and become refractory to the church or in the church. Observing the different steps which Christ has prescribed in the passages quoted, the steps to be taken are four in number. First, private brotherly admonition. Then second, admonition by many. Then third, admonition by the church. And lastly, fourth, the public sentence of the church. That's the order church discipline should be administered. Fourth question, what is the design of Christian discipline and what abuses are to be avoided in the exercise of it? Christ has given to the church the power of excommunication, not for the destruction of the sinner, but for his edification and salvation. The design of ecclesiastical discipline is therefore not to establish the sovereignty and tyranny of the ministers of Christ. The true ends of Christian discipline are those which the Apostle Paul has specified, among which may, we may mention the following, that the obstinate and disobedient may, being put to shame and terrified this way, be led to proper reflection and repentance. The other Christians may not become corrupted by the conversation example of gross offenders. The others by this means may fear to offend. That the church may not be disgraced and evil spoken of on account of public scandals. And that the profanation of the sacraments and the wrath of God may be prevented. 
the abuses to be avoided in excommunication are the different forms of admonition of which we have already spoken must not be neglected. Neither must the order be inverted by commencing with the last. It should be attended to according to the word of God with proper, proper evidence of brotherly love and of a desire to benefit those that err and to secure their salvation. It should be based upon just, weighty, and necessary causes, and not upon such as are unjust, doubtful, and of small importance. The cause must be carefully and diligently considered by all the elders, and the decision must be approved of by the whole church. And lastly, it should be so exercised as not to create any schism in the church, or be the occasion of any scandal. While good men see many at variance with each other, the church rent and evils follow each other in quick succession. And lastly, fifth question. In what does the power of the keys of the kingdom of heaven differ from civil power? Ecclesiastical discipline is exercised by the church. Civil power by the judge or magistrate. In the state, judgment is passed according to the civil and positive laws. In the church, according to the divine law or word of God. The power of the keys committed to the church depends upon the word of God, and the church exercises her power by the word, denouncing the wrath of God upon the impenitent. The civil power employs the sword and compels the refractory to submit to its authority by temporal punishment alone the church has different steps of admonition and if the offender is brought to acknowledge his sin and repent of it it does not proceed to execute punishment in his case the magistrate punishes the offender even though he repents the church in the exercise of discipline looks at the reformation and salvation of the offender the magistrate to the execution of justice and the public peace. As the church exercises discipline in the case of none except the obstinate and disobedient, so it is bound to reverse its decision and to remove the punishments whenever there is sufficient evidence of repentance on the part of the offender. The magistrate, when he once has once inflicted punishment, neither reverses, reverses the decision nor removes the punishment. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Catechism Saturday. Again, Lord's Day, number 31. We covered question answers, number 83 to 85. Please look forward to next Monday's podcast with Dr. Jay Sklar of Covenant Theological Seminary in St. Louis, Missouri. He talks to us about the sacrificial system of the Old Testament, that part of the Bible that very, 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 very many people skip in the Bible reading plans and why it's so necessary to understand this fully so we can fully understand Christ's sacrifice. And then that coming Thursday, we have our first part with Dr. Matthew Harmon on his book, Sin and Exile. It's a great book, a great introduction to those two themes in biblical theology. So we hope to see you guys next week on the Guilt Grace Gratitude Podcast. Bye.
Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed that episode of our podcast, Guilt, Grace, Gratitude. And we, as we've said before, we are bridging the gap to Reformed Christian theology for your listening pleasure. So we would like to make sure this is enjoyed by others around the world. And how to best do that is rate and review us on iTunes. Yeah, and you, after you rate a review or instead of rate and review or doing everything all at once, retweeting us on Twitter, liking us on Twitter, liking us on Instagram, following us on both of those platforms, because that actually puts in front of people's physical face this podcast, these guests, and most importantly, the gospel, the doctrines uh, that these guests are, are bringing in front of you guys. So please do that. It helps get in front of more people. Amen. And hopefully you guys are part of a local church and you're tithing. And uh, after that, after tithing, if you have any means left over, please consider donating to us to make sure our bridge is well paved and maintained and strong and sturdy. As again, we bridge the gap to reform Christian <laughs> theology. Exactly. The yeah. And you guys can find that link on anchor our official anchor website if you just go on um, our social media links it'll it'll link you to that website it's also at the bottom of these this podcast show notes if you're on this podcast this specific episode scroll all the way to the bottom of that show notes and you guys will find a link for this for three different options of donating so we hope you guys can help us bridge the gap pay for shipping get nicer stuff all for the focus of spreading the gospel further Yep. All for the kingdom of God. Thanks so much, guys. We'll see you guys next time.